And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with PressBox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. Well, as usual, Bonza is incorrect, and we spent a lot of years of him being incorrect on this show. I know. He's not even here, and he's I, still I know, incorrect. And he's still incorrect, exactly. Uh, welcome into the bat around for this Saturday morning. And the reason Bonza is incorrect is because Stan isn't here today. So I'm flying solo. I'm Craig Heist. This is March the 9th, and we are live from the Live Casino Hotel Studios here at Press Box, uh, right off beautiful I-83, which runs right down into downtown Baltimore. And you get to stuck. To Orioles Park. To Orioles Park, but you get stuck in traffic, and it's a terrible thing. <laughs> anyway, we want you to share and like the stream uh, if you're watching us on Facebook, and you can do that by going to facebook.com backslash Sports, and we'll be talking all things Major League Baseball for the next two hours, Orioles Spring Training, as they get uh, set uh, to play again today at Ed Smith Stadium in Sarasota. Actually, it's a split squad game uh, where they will play down in Port Charlotte and then play the Yankees. Uh, later tonight, but we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, 4-2 win over the Red Sox yesterday in Sarasota, and uh, the Beantowners held to just two hits by Oriole pitching. So, albeit spring training, uh, that's a good sign if you're an Orioles fan. Gabriel Noah, you know a, a story of this one yesterday. Right-hander with the, the win, he allowed just a hit. Uh, over four innings, he struck out three on the day. Andrew Kashner started. He went an inning in a third, gave up uh, a run on a hit, and he uh, fanned one uh, but walked a pair. And uh, Renato Nunez had the home run uh, for the Orioles in that game. So a nice win over the Red Sox, the defending world champions. And they will, as I said, play a squits, uh, split squad uh, today. Birds will send a team down to Port Charlotte for a 1 o'clock start uh, against the Tampa Rays, and Dylan Bundy gets the hill uh, start on the hill for uh, the Orioles in that one, and then they'll have their second game in uh, Sarasota at Ed Smith Stadium tonight at 6.05. Against the New York Yankees, David Hess with the start for the Birds there. And, you know, with the split squad, Britt, getting to be the point in time in spring training where you'll see these rosters kind of thin thin themselves out. And I'm thinking today might be a good possibility of that. We'll talk to Stan Charles later in the show about that because he is in Sarasota. But uh, good possibility, more cuts coming today uh, after those two games are completed. Now, as far as the Orioles are concerned, uh, a lot of decisions to be made putting this roster together, uh, not just from a pitching standpoint, but uh, – a lot of outfield spots, uh, you know, and, and, and how uh, Brandon Hyde decides to do this. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens, uh, you know, as they put this thing together. Uh, but, uh, you know, d- deciding who starts on this team, especially in the outfield right now, I think is, is going to be a little bit interesting. Uh, it's, you know, Cedric Mullins, your everyday center fielder, they got to decide on that. Uh, Anthony Santander's had a really nice spring with the bat, and we know he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. The only thing that we do know pretty much concrete is that Trey Mancini uh, will be the left fielder on this team uh, when opening day 
rolls around in a couple of weeks. So uh, the Orioles uh, getting it going uh, and uh, coming down the stretch run in spring training. Uh, as far as the Nationals are concerned, well, they beat the uh, uh, beaten by the Cardinals yesterday, three-two up in Jupiter. Patrick Corbin got the start for Washington, three runs on six hits over four innings, no walks, no strikeouts. He's uh, expected to be an integral part. Brought over, of course, uh, as that free agent signing. Got the extra year, six years. Uh, the deal with the Nationals, <coughs> pardon me, Michael Waka uh, gave up both Nats runs over four innings, uh, Matt Adams and Jake Knoll with solo homers uh, for the Nationals in that game. And uh, the Nationals are back at it tonight, uh, West Palm Beach uh, at 635 for a game against the Miami Marlins. Annabelle Sanchez getting the start for the Nationals. So uh, that's your uh being brought up to date, I guess you could say, on uh, both the local teams as uh, we do stuff on the bat around today. Uh, on the show uh, coming up today, uh, we will uh, talk to Johnny Holiday in a few minutes, and he is, of course, the voice everyone knows, the voice of Maryland Terrapins basketball and football. And uh, we want to talk to Johnny for a couple of reasons. One, we'll get his take on last night's uh, nine-point win uh, over Nebraska at uh, uh, Xfinity Center, mm. and also uh, where the uh, what chances the the Terps have of really maybe grabbing that four seed in the Big Ten tournament, or will they have to settle for a five and play an extra day? But we'll get his uh, thoughts on that. But also, uh, he has been the pregame and postgame uh, host of Nats Extra. Uh, on Masson since the uh, inception of the Nationals back in 2005. Uh, but he's decided to step aside to spend more time with his family. Uh, but he'll still continue to call uh, Maryland Terrapin games. So we'll talk to Johnny about that, uh, some baseball and some other topics, because as most of you know, too, Johnny uh, spent a, a good part of his career uh, as a rock and roll disc jockey. And he even has a book out, From Rock to Jock. <laughs> <laughs> That's and pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so uh, he's seen it all and done it all, I guess is the easiest way to say that. And uh, we'll talk to Johnny at about 10.10, a couple of minutes away. Uh, and also, coming up at 10.35, we'll touch base with Dan Connolly of The Athletic, and uh, we'll check in with him on what he's seen out of the Orioles so far in camp and uh, who he thinks will make this team, what the new regime brings to the table. Brandon Hyde, the new manager, Mike Elias, the new GM, and uh, get his thoughts on that. And uh, the reason that uh, I'm in this seat this week is because Stan Charles is in Sarasota, and we'll check in with him and what he's seen, some of his thoughts on what's gone on uh, with the Orioles. He also saw a hockey game last night, the Tampa, or I'm sorry, the Florida Panthers. Uh, so we'll see whether or not... Uh, what Stan's expertise is on the uh, on the pucks? Yeah, okay? he's having all the fun down. He's there. having all the fun, and the weather's warm. While we were dealing with snow yesterday, yes. So uh, we'll check in with Stan on, <coughs> pardon me, the Orioles, and then uh, a little later on, uh, Bill Latson from MLB.com uh, will stop by, and uh, there was a big story, obviously, that broke this week. Uh, uh, concerning the health of Tom Seaver, the Hall of, da uh, Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, diagnosed with dementia, and uh, his family put out a statement this week 
uh, saying basically that, uh, you know, he is going to retire from public life and uh, spend time at his home, on his vineyard. And uh, we certainly wish, you know, Tom Seaver the best going forward. Just a very sad story. Uh, but Hall of Fame pitcher and uh, an integral part uh, early on in his career with the 1969 Mets, where he went 25-7 and seven in 1969. And, of course, the Miracle Mets beat the Orioles in five games in the World Series in 1969. And you could arguably say that there is no uh, you know, Miracle Mets without Tom Seaver. A lot of people had a hand in that uh, great run uh, by the Mets uh, you know, through the playoffs. And, then, uh, and that was the first year of an American League and National League Championship Series. Uh, but uh, arguably you could say there was no Miracle Mets uh, without uh, Tom Seaver. And then later on, we will also talk to Richard Justice, columnist from MLB.com. He has been with the Red Sox and the Yankees this week, and ironically enough, is with the Nats today in West Palm. And we'll get his thoughts on Tom Seaver and also what he has seen uh, covering uh, the camps throughout Florida. And I know he was in Arizona earlier uh, in the spring. Uh, but uh, we'll get his thoughts on Tom Seaver. Uh, Seaver, 311 and 205 during his Hall of Fame career with an ERA of 2.86. And like I said, 25 and 7 in 1969 when the Miracle Mets had that run over. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles. But uh, we're going to start the show off by going out to the phone lines and bringing in uh, the voice of the Maryland Terrapins. And uh, he is uh, a rock and roll disc jockey in his career, great sportscaster, uh, hosted the Nats Talk, uh, you know, on Masson, pre- and post-game show. He is Johnny Holiday. Johnny, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Craig. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I gotta ask you first of all. Last night's game, a six, uh, a nine-point win by Maryland. We had a proposal at ha- uh, right before the game at midcourt, and uh, she said yes, and uh, that makes everybody happy because so many times those things you see in the stands they don't go that well. <laughs> yeah, even uh, better. Throw uh, the dice, didn't he? Yeah, and it and it came up good. He, that was that was really a nice moment. I thought. Only guy that was in on it was Mark Turgeon. Yeah. Nobody else knew about it. In fact, we had Bender on the coach's show on, I guess it was Wednesday night, and he never even gave me any hint he was going to do that. And then we had him on the post-game show last night after the game, and I said, how can you? How could you keep that from me? As close a friend as I am of yours, <laughs> a big supporter of yours, even Bender, and you don't even tell me you're going to propose to uh, Alana? I think that was her name, wasn't it, Alana? Yeah. And he said, I could not tell you. <laughs> he could not tell anybody. <laughs> I wanted to tell you, but I couldn't do it. Uh, he is a super, super guy. So, and they're getting married, I think, in July, back in his home country in Bosnia. Right. And, uh, yeah, just really, there's somebody else in the stands. They had a little proposal, too, so it was a two-for-two two night. That's good. Uh, let me ask you about that game last night. It's a nine-point win, but uh, with some of the struggles here of late, how does that set this team up now heading into the Big Ten tournament? There's still a chance at a four seed and, and the double bye, but I'm thinking more than likely it's going to be a fifth seed. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I, you know, the, the score was misleading, I thought. To win by nine, that's what you see, but they were, they were 
never had a problem winning that game. They were up by 22 in the second half on, on about three or four different occasions. And then the guys kind of let the, you know, pedal off the metal a little bit. And and he wanted to make sure he got Andrew Carroll in the game. He wanted to put Bender back in the game at the end. And the score was not indicative as how much they dominated. And probably one of the best all-around games they've had, especially turnover. I think they only turned the ball over nine or ten times, and that's a real, real improvement from what they've been doing. And really a terrific night for Jalen Smith with 19 points and 11 rebounds. That's his fourth double-double. And you almost expect Bruno Fernando, every time he plays, to rack up a double-double. He's got 20, 20 on the year. 11 points, 11 rebounds, and he only played 24 minutes, got in foul trouble early. And then Anthony Cowan was terrific. I mean, that's that's the kind of game I think we expect to see from him as they go to the Big Ten tournament uh, this coming week in Chicago. And if he can continue to play like he did last night, he only had a couple of turnovers, played all but a couple of minutes and shot 50%, and it just had an all-around terrific game then they're going to be in good shape. But I think what happens now, Craig, you got to look at these games today and tomorrow. But I think, like you, they'll probably be the number five seed. They'll play at 3 o'clock on Thursday. If, by some chance, Wisconsin is to lose tomorrow, which I don't think they will, uh, to Ohio State, then Maryland would somehow, some way, with uh, the mathematical pencil work done with the game today and tomorrow, they could be the number four seed and play at 3 o'clock on Friday, but more likely it'll be on Thursday. And then we'll find out who they play uh, coming up tomorrow. So yeah. it's going to be a good, wide-open Big Ten tournament, I think. And the one thing they want to make sure of is they get past that first round. You don't want to lose that first game like they did in New York at the Garden last year to Illinois, like they did in the previous year in Chicago. So you got momentum. You know you're going to go to the NCAA tournament. No better time than now to be playing your best basketball of the season. Johnny, before we get to baseball, uh, I, I really want to ask one more question about the Terps uh, under Mark Turgeon. This team, when it gets away from what it does well, really kind of struggles. And I think what they do best of all is play through Bruno and Sticks. And if they do that, I think they're just a, a much better basketball team. Well, I, I guess you're, you know, in a way, I think you're right, Craig, they do, because when you've got guys as big as those guys and as dominating as they can be, but it's not going to be every night that they show the kind of effort they had last night when Smith had 19 and Bruno had 11, and they combined for 22 rebounds. That's that's pretty impressive right there. But a lot of times Jalen doesn't play after that same ability he showed last night. And a lot of times Bruno gets in foul trouble and, and can't be on the floor. And if it's gone good like it was last night, it opens up everything else from the outside. Then yeah. they start to double on Bruno. They start to double on Jalen. It leaves something open for for Cowan to drive to the basket and make the easy layups. And it frees up the three-point shooting. But sometimes that's not going to be there every single night. I'm sure Mark Turgeon wishes it was, because when you, as you mentioned, when you've got a situation like that, they're pretty tough to handle. They're pretty tough to beat. And take nothing away from that team last night. I mean, you look at Minnesota, they had just beaten Purdue, the number 11 team in the country, and they beat them pretty good. And Coffey had 32 points in that game. And the defense from Maryland really picked it up. They, they held him to 23, and he got the 23 on 17 shots. 
so I think a lot of a lot of the success that they've had maybe is lost in how good they have been defensively. Another team that last night shoots under 40%. Here's Minnesota winding up at, for the game. They wound up at 38%. I think that's five of the last seven games. Maryland's held the opponents to under 40% field goal. That's pretty good. But getting back to your statement, yeah, go through Bruno, go through Jalen Smith, opens up everything else, and uh, hopefully those guys can stay out of foul trouble and keep it going in Chicago. All right, we got that out of the way. Good luck to the Terps going forward because we all root for them uh, up here in Baltimore, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I think they have a chance to make a good run if they play defense and, like I said, keep it together offensively and don't get away from their yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. And, I agree. and yeah, don't get away right. from their game plan. Absolutely. Right. Uh, a lot of people, Johnny, I don't think know this, but you were very involved with the Washington Senators at one time. <laughs> and, and, and you know, since the inception of the Nats in '05. You have been the pre- and post-game show host on Masson, and this year you decided not to go back. Why did you make that decision? Uh, I think two things. Well, number one, I wanted to do just the home games, and that was not possible. Mm -hmm. And I think when they decided to release my partner, Ray Knight, that had a little mental effect on me because we had such a good thing going, and he is without question... I think one of the best analysts on television, uh, the national, he, he lived and died by the nationals and you knew by tuning in after a game and saw our show, you knew if they won or if they lost by the expression and the, and the responses that Ray had, he was the perfect guy to work with. Uh, we never had anything scripted. It was just off the cuff and just like two guys sitting there talking, talking baseball, like yeah. you and I are talking right now. And he was, in my mind, the, one of the best analysts and one of the best guys who knew about baseball of anybody on television. And I know that he's going to be sorely, sorely missed. I can be replaced by anybody. You can bring a robot in, and they're going to do the job that right. I had. All I did was set him up for 12 years. But they will really miss him. He was a manager. He was an all-star, MVP of the World Series, a bench coach, a hitting coach. He knows more about baseball than anybody. And I think it was a very unfortunate situation for them not to have Ray come back again. For me, uh, I wanted to cut back a little bit and just do the home games, and they did not agree to that. So not the Nationals. Masson didn't agree to right. it. So that's that's fine. That's fine. And uh, they will go on, and whoever will take our place will do a nice job. And probably in about 30 seconds, people will forget that. <laughs> who's the two guys that no. were there for the last 12 years? I, I don't yeah, think that's that going to happen, Johnny. I really yeah, don't think that. that. Goes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I think I mean, we wish we had, uh, Dan Coco is going to come up and, and take my spot. Nice young guy, up and comer. And uh, we wish him a lot of luck. And then uh, Bo Porter is going to take Ray Knight's place. Yeah, and, and and we wish him the very best too. Right, and of course, Bo left uh, here when he did leave here. He went to uh, or you know Houston. managed the Houston Astros. Yeah. And and then uh, you know, but but he's well known around here and has always had a kind of a soft spot for for DC and the Nationals. Uh, sure. Let me ask you this though, going back to the Senator days, what what do you remember most about? that and being uh, involved in, in that and all the games at RFK? Uh, I, well, the thing that I really liked the most was working with Ted Williams every every day, interviewing him 
for the pregame show and the postgame show every day. Uh, and just being able to work with Claire, you want to shut the door for a second? <laughs> uh, being able to work with him on radio every single game was was like a dream come true. Here's a Hall of Famer, and I'm talking to him every day. And the guys, the characters they had in those teams, Craig, we only did it for two years until they moved to Texas. But there was Dick Bosman, who I still keep in contact with. There was Daryl Knowles. There was Timmy Cullen. There was Bernie Allen. There was Rick Reichardt. There was Casey Cox. There was Davey Nelson. Yeah. And all those guys I just mentioned, every single one of those guys played in my WWDC Radio Wonders basketball team in the offseason to supplement their income. Wow. You know, we, gave them, we gave them 25 I think it was, no, $35 a game. Gas money, expense money, and all those guys played with us. <laughs> well, you know, that's back in the day where uh, no matter what you, you were do doing, what, you could do that, but that was back in the day, too, where players would play the season and then go work in the off season to make their living. Well, that's right. And, and, you know, I found that out in San Francisco before I came to Washington. I did the Giants pregame show on television, and... Uh, in the off season, we had Sal Bando play with us on our basketball team, and also I got him a job at our radio station doing some sports reports, and that was to supplement his income. When I was in Cleveland, we had Bernie Parrish, defensive back for the Cleveland Browns, who was on our staff at WHK. And these guys would play in my charity team, and we'd get $25 gas money. And it, it so you became really close in a different way with these guys, just Instead of connecting with them in baseball, you know, you're with them all the time. You're traveling around. You're playing high school faculties. You're making a lot of money for the schools. And you had a different, totally different relationship with them back in those days. But it was it was really incredible. Denny McLean, uh, when he came to Washington, was the first interview we did on the pregame show for the year he was here. He also played in our basketball team. We became really good friends with the last 30-game winner in the major leagues, Denny McLean, and here I am, you know, tossing him a basketball so he can take a 50-foot jump shot and miss it. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, thinking, why would I give the ball up to him? I can shoot it myself. You, you mentioned Cleveland, and there's a story that someone told me about you. Uh, explain to me and our, and our viewers and listeners uh, about the time uh, when, when JFK was assassinated and you were the PA announcer, I believe, in Cleveland? Yeah. yeah. Art Modell had owned the club, the Browns, and I was their public address announcer. For the last two years, I was in Cleveland before I went to New York. And when the Dallas Cowboys came to town, Mr. Modell said to me, and I had a tremendous relationship with him, really loved the guy. He was... A, just as down to earth as, as you could be. And one quick story, Craig, before I talk about the President Kennedy thing, the public address announcer had passed away in the off season. He had a heart attack. And so I just, one day, I was on the air three to seven at WHK, and I decided to call up Mr. Modell during a news break, and I got right through it to him. And I said, Mr. Modell, my name is Johnny Holiday. I'm with WHK. And oh, I know who you are, Johnny. I listened to you on the way home. Well, I knew I had my foot in the door then. <laughs> so I said, what are you going to do about a PA guy? He said, well, I promised the spotter the job. Would you be, cons would you be interested? And I said, yes, I would be interested. 
He said, okay, I'll tell you what. We have this doubleheader coming up. We have two games in one night. The Eagles and the Giants, the Redskins and the Browns. You do the first game. We'll let him do the second game, and then I'll make my decision. I said, okay. So I do the first game. And doing the PA work, Craig, you're on the field. The, the speakers were on the field shooting up to the stand. So wherever the ball was on the sidelines outside of the bench area, that's where I was with a 100-yard cord with this guy who was the spotter. So after the first game, Mr. Modell calls down and says, let me talk to Jerry. So Jerry says, all I can hear Jerry saying is, yes, sir. Hey, no, sir, no problem. Absolutely. So he gives the phone back to me, and he said, Mr. Modell wants you to do the second game. Can, can I be your spotter? And I said, yeah. I said, I feel, golly, you wanted that job, didn't you? He said, no, I didn't really want it. He said, I couldn't do this. But oh, Mr. Modell wow. said it'd be nice. He said, I can't, there's no way I could do it. So this guy was my spotter for two years. And then when Dallas came to town, Mr. Modell said, Johnny, do me a favor. There's so much unrest in this city and in this country. Can you do the game without, don't mention the word Dallas at all, the name Dallas. Uh-huh. And I said, man, that's, I, I, I guess I can. He said, oh, I, th- I know you can. I know you can do it. So all throughout the game, I referred to them second down and two for the Cowboys. Right. And pass incomplete. So the Cow- I never mentioned the word Dallas the entire game, and we got through it. But that was probably the toughest thing I ever had to do. Outside of when I was in Oakland, I was the Raiders' public address announcer, and I had to deal with Al Davis every day. <laughs> and that's, that's quite interesting. But we did get through the thing in Cleveland, and it worked out just fine. Well, we're talking with Johnny Holiday, voice of the Maryland Terrapins, but also uh, has been with Masson uh, f- since the inception of the Nationals, uh, doing the pre and the post game show with Ray Knight. And and Johnny, I'd be remiss if uh, before we let you get out of here, uh, just your thoughts on the Bryce Harper situation. And he he goes to the Phillies, but it it takes you know pretty much the whole off season before it's all said and done. And, you know, the Nats put out an offer, the initial offer of 10 years, $300 million, and he winds up signing 13 years, $330 million up in Philadelphia. Uh, and it was kind of funny with me when, when you see him in his press conference and he says, you know, <laughs> I just want to bring a, a world championship to D.C. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so it kind of makes you think that a lot of things – with Bryce is scripted and, uh, you know, kind of left a bad taste in my mouth the way it all wound up. Well, you know, it's the almighty dollar, Craig. Oh, I know. That's the the biggest problem this day and age, that where is the loyalty to a team? You say all the right things while you're playing with that team, and you lead people to believe that you really love Washington, you really want to stay here. And money speaks, I guess, louder than sentimentality and and dedication and loyalty to a fan base. On the other hand, I never had a problem with Bryce Harper. He was always congenial, always accessible for me. Uh, When we had him on the Masson shows or if I'm doing interviews for pregame shows, always available, always nice. A big Maryland fan, a big Joe DiMaggio fan, which I found out as we went through the years together. And I wish him well. I, I think probably at the young age that he's at now, if they're going to put that kind of money on the table, 
you, you may as well get it. Yeah. And I'm thinking Philadelphia can be a great sports mm-hmm. town. They can also eat you alive when you're not playing well. Ask Jason Wirth. Ask Sonny Jorgensen about that when he was quarterbacking up there. So I think time will tell, and that's a the slip of the tongue. I caught the same thing you caught. That's kind of funny in a way and kind of sad in a way that he's obviously still thinking D.C. in some aspects. But the Phillies are going to get somebody. If he can play up to his potential and be the kind of player that everybody wanted him to be, which he sometimes wasn't, then they're going to have a heck, heck of a... I mean, they got a heck of a ball club now. Putting him in the pieces of the puzzle makes it even stronger. So I wish him well, and I, I hope he does well up there. It'll be interesting the first time he comes back to Washington to see what kind of response he gets. I'm sure it's going to be mixed. People will boo him, people will cheer him, and it'll be business as usual as the, as the season goes on. Well, once the Mets get out of here, uh, they're in for a couple, so that's going to be interesting. You're right. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the money is the money has changed everything, unfortunately. And there are very few guys that are are going to be loyal and say, "I want to do it this way. I don't want the money. Whatever you want to pay me, I'm staying right here, and I'm going to finish out my career. I love the city. I love the fans. This is where I belong. That's the kind of guys you want." Last thing before I let you go: of all the years of a rock and roll disc jockey, what's your famous? Or maybe you're not famous, but most fond memory of being a disc jockey? I think connecting with the audience. I think in the days that I was playing the hits, uh, you're like a Pied Piper. You weren't much older than the audience that you're playing for. You were a good role model. You You could set good standards for them. Uh, nothing was done off color. There was nothing suggestive. No foul language. Not even. You would never utter a hell or a damn on the air. No way mm-hmm. would you do that. Uh, you had to sign affidavits, and if you did something like that, you were shown the door. You just didn't do it. And I think connecting with the audience and knowing that you were setting a good example for young people is the thing I remember most. And I had great times doing it during the best times of music, the late 50s, the 60s, right up through the middle 70s. I thought were the best time when when disc jockeys were looked upon as leaders and involved in the community. And that's what I remember most. Yeah, Johnny Holiday, one of the best around. And uh, I appreciate the time this morning. Uh, Enjoy the, the grandkids and enjoy the family. And we'll see you around Maryland for sure. Okay, Craig. Thank you very much. Great to be with you, my friend. Uh, all right. Thank you very much, Johnny. Johnny, Hol- Johnny Holiday, the voice of the Maryland Terrapins, along with uh, being the uh, voice of the pre- and the post-game shows on Masson, Nats Extra, uh, for the last, well, since the inception of the Nationals back in 2005. I want to take a time out, but we want to remind you about the Costas Inn. And the Costas Inn is located at 4100 North Point Boulevard in Dundalk uh, with some of the best people and the best food around. Uh, You have uh, specials on the menu all throughout the week. Monday is crab cake night. Tuesday is ribs night. Wednesday is steak night. And uh, Thursday, lobster. You can get it either plain or stuffed with crab imperial. Uh, the prime rib is to die for. I can attest to that. 
and uh, whatever's on the menu, you, you will not go wrong at the Costa Sin. And, of course, world famous for their crab cakes and steamed crabs. You can have them shipped anywhere uh, in the United States. Uh, if you've got relatives uh, somewhere that's you know maybe from Baltimore, but they're living in another part of the country, and you want to send them some crab cakes or some steamed crabs, call Pete Triantafilos over at the Costa Sin, and they'll be more than happy uh, to hook you up. Uh, never a dull moment. Live entertainment throughout the week. Wednesday night, jazz night, first Friday of every night. The Rat Pack is in there, uh, first Friday of every month. Uh, the Rat Pack uh, is in there with Rick Oliguer, the lead singer. Uh, 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn. Maryland, it's the craziest time of year for college basketball. So don't miss a minute of the madness. Fridays through Sundays in March, watch your favorite teams compete for a spot in the championship on 74 feet of HD LED screens in the Sportsbook and Sports Bar at Laurel Park. With food and drink specials during games and thrilling live thoroughbred racing Friday through Sunday, there's no better place to indulge in the madness. Visit Facebook.com slash Laurel Park for details. We'll see you there. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is very, very popular, as you've undoubtedly noticed if you've been there recently. Want to skip the lines completely? Download the Chick-fil-A app, and your food will be ready when you get there, but not a minute sooner. Your hot, fresh waffle fries, fresh, never-frozen chicken, and ice-cold drinks will be delivered to you when you get there. They'll bring it out to your car, or you can come in and get it without standing in line. Plus, ordering through the Chick-fil-A app earns you reward points that will add up to free stuff. And the app remembers what you like. So if you like extra pickles, then the app remembers. If you prefer less ice in your drink, the app remembers. Anytime you customize your order, the Chick-fil-A app will file it away and remember for your next visit. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. If you need help downloading the app, ask the Nottingham Square store owner, Steve. Steve can do anything. Chick-fil-A, get the app, skip the lines. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. We offer one more salute to Joe Flacco as his tenure in Baltimore comes to a close. Prominent media members and public figures, including Mayor Catherine Pugh, share their thoughts on what Flacco has meant to the city. Also inside, you'll find our annual comprehensive college lacrosse preview. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and at PressBoxOnline.com. 
This is former Terp AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruined the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from I the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And welcome back into the Bat Around here for this Saturday morning, March the 9th. I'm Craig Heiss sitting in for Stan the Fan. Usually we're here together. Hasn't worked out that way for about a month or so because I was out doing the Nats uh, talk show on Masson uh, while Phil Wood was down in uh, uh, Austin P teaching his uh, spring course down at his alma mater. Uh, so I was on the TV side. Stan was here, and now Stan is in Sarasota, and now I'm here. So you know, just to clarify. You're clearly just avoiding each other. Well, you know, if, if you know Stan, would you like to avoid Stan at all costs? You know, Dan said he apologized for me having to spend so much time with you. So In an enclosed <laughs> studio with the door shut. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right, let's bring in Dan Connolly from The Athletic who covers the Orioles. And uh, Dan, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm good, and I did contact Baltimore County Police <laughs> the outside just in case Brittany needs some help. I'm but, sure. Uh, I'm sure as soon as the show is over, they'll be waiting <laughs> by my car. <laughs> gotta, I gotta ask you first of all. You were down uh, in Sarasota. Uh, I know you're not there now, uh, but talk to me a little bit about what you've seen uh, out of the new regime down there and how spring training, at least in the early part, was handled. Yeah, it was definitely different. Craig, there was definitely a different vibe. And if you, you know, you walked around, I, I guess, I mean, I kind of wrote about all the athletic, but, you know, when, when you were there the last eight or nine years and you saw Buck, you, you always knew where Buck was. He was walking around, he had the fungo bat behind his back, he was in the outfield, he was barking some instructions. You always saw Buck. It was, it was Buck's camp. There's no question there. Uh, with Brandon Hyde, first of all, there's a couple guys who look like Brandon Hyde from far away that are on his staff, Tim Cousins, um, Chris Holt. So from far away... You know, you don't necessarily know it's it's Hyde. And, I mean, he, he just doesn't have the same, like, you know, he's barking at guys. He's, like, running the whole thing. He doesn't – it doesn't look like it is his show. It looks like it's more of, like, kind of a group effort of a show. And I think that's something that he kind of stressed. Not that Buck didn't try to do that, but Buck just had a bigger-than-life than kind of presence and, and personality to him. Um, and I think that is more relaxing for the players. I don't think that, you know, that, that Buck stressed these guys out necessarily in the spring, but it just had a kind of a different feel. And there's music blaring, you know, we've all written about that and stuff, but it, it, it just kind of had a different feel. But then with all of that, Hyde just kept punctuating that, yes, it might be a little bit more relaxed, it might be, you know, scheduled so you know what you're doing and you're off the field and all that stuff, but he kept stressing the word compete. And I must have heard compete or competition 400 times down there in the couple weeks, two and a half weeks or whatever I was there. And I'm going back another week, and I know we're going to hear it again. It's just been kind of their theme, that they may not win a whole lot of games, but they're going to compete. They're going to compete for jobs within uh, you know, the 
spring training camp, and they're going to compete when the games are for real. But so I think I it think, was that. Yeah, it was that sense. So, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think from a fan standpoint, though, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I don't think fans up here expect this team uh, to be in the division race, but by the same token, they're pretty baseball savvy, and they know that you you know what a good effort is, and whether or not. The guys on the field are given 100% all the time. So from a fan standpoint, I think that's a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think how many times have we covered bad teams in Baltimore where they've said, man, this team just gave up? 14 Boy, straight years. Right, right, right. <laughs> they didn't look like they were trying. They didn't look like they were trying in you know, 2007 in, in July or August. And, and part of that is that they weren't very good. And you know, when you're not very good, it looks like you're not trying. But they also weren't very focused. It's hard to focus when your team's you know when you when you stink and you're you know you're 100 games back in the lost column or whatever, um, it's hard to to do that to compete. I don't think that this team last year in August and September gave up. I just think they were terrible, and I mean that's why they got you know they got bludgeoned. Um, that said, you do want to see energy, Craig. I mean, you do want to see the players that are trying. You do want to see them. It means something to them to, in the major leagues and to to play. And I think. That is there this year. There's no question. I mean, you look around the clubhouse, and there's very few guys that we know well. I mean, there's guys that were up last year a little bit, guys who kind of yo-yoed back and forth. But guys who we actually know well, who you know, who we dealt with for a couple years in a row, what, there's maybe seven, six, seven of them? I mean, right. you know, it's very few and far between. So, you know, I think that they are bringing a certain energy, and there is a certain competition level, and I think that's good. Uh, in terms of... Who makes this team? There's a split squad today. The first game will be played in Port Charlotte against the Rays. Dylan Bundy's got that start. And then David Hess has the start tonight against the Yankees up in Sarasota. Uh, I guess it's 6.05. Uh, but, but in terms of who makes this team, I would think the split doubleheader today would be followed by a few roster decisions uh, since it is a split doubleheader. Yeah, when they use more guys, oftentimes that's the case then that they can whittle it down a little bit. And, you know, we're getting a part point in camp where there are going to be, you know, obviously you don't need as many catchers you have in camp right now and, and things like that. So I would imagine that, you know, if, if not, sometimes they will, the way they do they usually wait the weekend. And then uh, then on Monday, you know, they started up with a new thing, and then he would get rid of a lot of guys on that Monday or, or Sunday night or whatever. Um, he was very conscious of what meal money was like for the for the kids who were just up for you know for a couple weeks and stuff. So um, I don't know how this new regime will look at it, but I would imagine cuts are coming fairly soon. You know, some decent amount. But I don't think that this roster is going to be set, and it's why I'm going back for the last week. I don't think this roster is really going to be set until right before they leave for. Uh, for New York. I mean, I think there are several guys who are, you know, kind of on the bubble. And when I mean several, I mean, gosh, several for every position, it seems like, except for three or four. Plus, you know, they're going to keep looking at the waiver wire, and a lot of guys are going to be waived or, you know, it does a first assignment or whatever um, throughout baseball in the next couple, you know, week and, a, week and a half, two weeks or whatever. So, you know, they did that with Dwight Smith yesterday, got him, you know, for, for international slot bonuses, and they're going to continue to, to look at that kind of stuff, guys who don't fit somewhere else's roster but could fit on theirs. Um, so it, this is going to be battles all the way through. But to make one of your points, you know, I, I think David has tonight. I think this is a big start for him. Obviously, the Yankees will have a lot of uh, um, you know regulars in that lineup. And I think that Hess, it's his position to lose, in my estimation. He doesn't look at it that way. He looks like he's fighting it. But I think that, you know, the fourth or fifth spot, 
he should be able to claim one of those if he can pitch well. I was going to say, you got Bundy, you got Kashner, and Cobb, and how do you see four and five playing out? You know, David Hess, obviously, you just said, but how, how do you see the rest of that playing out? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jeffrey Ramirez is in that mix. Um, Nate Carnes is in that mix, although I think that the sense is, <clears throat> even when they when they sign Nate Carnes, that he may not be ready to be a starter, you know, in April, and with some of the physical issues, with some right. of the physical issues, they're going to probably have to stretch him out to, for that to happen. Anyhow, exactly, exactly. So I would imagine that he's going to end up being, um, if he is, you know, if he starts the season healthy um, and not on the disabled list, I would imagine he'd be like a long guy in the uh, in the pen. And, and one of the things, Craig, you know this, you know the uh, oftentimes that fifth starter doesn't come into play until mid-April anyway, right? <clears throat> so that's a situation where. They may go with four. I didn't do the exact math. I know it's kind of screwed up in the beginning of the, uh, um, you know, with days off and stuff before after the Orioles opener and and the home opener. And, I mean, the uh, road opener in New York to start the season. There's a bunch of days off and stuff there, so I don't know how it's configured completely. But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't really use a fifth start until you know April 10, 15, something like that. So that can let it go. And Brandon Brandon Hyde did not dismiss the idea of a opener. Um, you know, a pitcher to come in, a relief pitcher to come in and pitch one or two innings in that fifth spot. Um, I think it depends in his mind on really what they have for that fifth spot. If they think they have somebody who can seize it. You know, one of the most interesting things in camp, and we, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, is Mike Wright's pitching well. And Mike well, Wright is one of those guys, you know, you just, the talent's there, and he canalizes you with that, and then it gets to the season, and then he has some struggles, and, you know, it goes back and forth. But, I mean, you know, we're getting to the point where it is, is Fisher cut bait with him. And, you know, he, he spent the entire season in the majors last year, had some good moments, had some not-so-good moments. Um, but I think he's in the, you know, he's making himself in the mix. I don't think he's given up a run yet in his appearances. Um, so he's in the mix there. Hess is in the mix. Ramirez is in the mix. Uh, John Means, I would think, is outside looking in. But, he you know, he's pitched, you know, okay, pretty well so far. Um, so I think there's a lot of guys that are fighting for that fourth and fifth spot. We're talking with Dan Connolly, the athletic who covers the Orioles. And, uh, you know, I think one of the most intriguing things, too, is the outfield for this club because I think we can pretty much agree that Trey Mancini is going to be your left fielder. But then, you know, Brandon Hyde turns around about four or five days ago and says, well, nothing's set in stone with Cedric Mullins. And, and, And then you look at, with Mullins, along with Austin Hayes, and uh, Usniel Diaz, along with Eric Young Jr. I mean, like you said, competition is one of the key words, and it looks like that's going to probably go right down the wire. Yeah, I would think, although if I were a betting man, I would I would put Mullins in that 25-man roster. Um, I think he did enough last year. I think he's got, you know, I think defensively in center field, um, and also what he can do a little bit on the base pass and with the bat. I would imagine that, that he makes this team, and I would imagine he's probably the starting day center fielder, um, the opening day center fielder. But, I, you know, I mean, it, it is up in the air. I mean, you know, we look at this guy as a veteran because he's had three months in the big leagues, Greg, <laughs> versus, you know, some of these other guys who have almost no time. Right. Um, you know, Austin Hayes is coming back from injury, and Austin Hayes needs, I think, to show that he can hit. I mean, you know, we, we look at the ankle injury and we think, well, that really you know, derailed Austin Hayes' 2018. But frankly, he was not hitting at all at Double A Bowie. He was striking out a ton before he got to that point. So I think that they probably want to look, take a look at him you know, in the minors and, and have him graduate and come up. There's no reason to rush Austin Hayes at this point. Um, this really is what is going into his fourth professional season, I believe. Yeah. So 
I mean, you know, there's no reason to rush him. There's no reason to, to rush any of these guys. It's a reason, you, you know, it, it's one of the, the ways you go out and you get an Eric Young or you get a Dwight Smith or you get somebody, you know, who's played a little bit that you're giving more time to. And Joey Rickard is still there. I mean, it's not a guy you can really forget. He's on the 40-man roster. T.J. Stewart is out there. And Anthony um, and Santander, think, you know, yeah. And, and Anthony Santander, you know, is having a real good camp. And I could see Anthony Santander breaking with this team because he has spent some time in the minors. And, you know, and I, I think, that, you know, he's a former Rule 5 pick that had spent a lot of time in the majors. But last year, he spent all but, what, 14 days, wherever it was, in the minors. And so, I mean, I think he's a guy that they're really looking toward. And, he, you know, he really hit the heck out of the ball. The other thing with all of this is Mark Trumbo. Right. Because if Mark Trumbo's not, you know, if he's not healthy, then you have a real good reason to bring Trey Mancini out of left field and put him at a combination of DH and first base. You know, have Davis at DH sometimes, have Mancini play first base sometimes. Kind of have them in a mix of first base and DH if Trumbo's not healthy to, to start. And that opens up left field for DJ Stewart or for Anthony Santander or for whomever. So, again, it's so fluid. It's funny. I was going to write a piece about, like, what the, the – competition looks like but it's so it's, it really hasn't changed much since you know the pitchers and catchers reported there's uh there's so many different names out there floating and again you know a Dwight Smith could be come running in here in the you know in the next week or two yeah infield wise uh shortstop very interesting on this ball club uh and and the decisions that they have to make uh take me through that along with what happens now with trying to get Chris Davis healthy again and seeing whether or not he can try to rekindle a little bit of what he had in the past? Well, let's start with that first. I mean, he's your first baseman. He's going to be given every opportunity to you know, do 2015 again. And I know that frustrates fans. That frustrates you know, even some of his teammates last year. But he's going to get the opportunity. You know, he's got all that money, I mean, $23 million or whatever it is and, you know, per year. And, I mean, he is he's going to be playing. And, you know, they're hoping that he can figure it out. And, you know, he's got already started with a good relationship with Don Long, the new hitting coach. But, you know, it's all up to Chris Davis. I mean, there's nothing anybody else can do but Chris Davis. And, and it's hard for me to believe that the guy is going to, be, going to bat 168 again. Um, but the, oh, not because of Chris Davis, just because it's really hard to be that bad and get that many at-bats. Yeah. Um, so... So, you know, you got to think that there's got to be something else above that. This guy has been a successful major leaguer, and not that long ago, but he hasn't proved it in two and a half years. So, basically, I mean, I think he's going to get, you know, he has a leash, and he is going to get an opportunity to continue to try to get back, to, like you said, back to his, his previous form, at least for the first couple months this year. So, first base is set there. Now, obviously, he was dealing with a little bit of a hip issue. He hasn't hit at all since, you know, he's got one home run, and I think like nine strikeouts or seven strikeouts, something like that. Right. But he has uh, been on the shelf a little bit because of <clears throat> some, some kind of soreness, uh, hip soreness and such. He's got an MRI kind of waiting in on that. But um, they don't believe that that's too serious. I believe it's a precautionary situation. So um, <clears throat> if healthy, he's your first baseman. And then Jonathan VR is your starting middle infielder. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you, know, you just don't know base, where, right? Right. Right. Whether it's second base or shortstop. Um Right now, it looks like it might be second base. And because, first of all, they signed up these Escobar to a minor league deal, and he's a veteran who's played shortstop, and that's been a gold glove uh, winner in shortstop. And then, really, the talk of camp, and we didn't even mention it, you and I, when we were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about center field, is you know, the Orioles have two Rule 5 guys who both are considered shortstops in Richie Martin and Drew Jackson. I wrote a big mm-hmm. piece on them in the Rule 5 in the Athletic this week. 
But Drew Jackson can play center field and play it well. So he's another option. And, and having Drew Jackson on the team is like having an infielder and an outfielder together. Um, <clears throat> the question is, will he hit? And he's hit so far in the minors. I mean, I'm sorry, in the spring. And so, you know, he's certainly making a push to be one of these guys here. And, and as of two days ago, I think the two of them combined, Martin and Jackson, were batting 400 uh, this spring in 40 at-bats. So they definitely are, are opening eyes. Martin's looked really good defensively. Um, you know, he can do a lot of things when his game is on. I don't know how much you know about him, Craig, but he had uh, he's a former first-rounder at University of Florida, did not hit in the minors, actually had an eye test, got contacts, and last year actually hit for the first time, really hit – <clears throat> hit about 300 or so. So well, he's in know, three. He's in 391 right now in the spring. Right, right. Uh, so I mean, so those two guys, I think, are are making a push, and I think Alcides Escobar, as a minor league signee, is, doesn't necessarily have to make this team. Um, so if Martin and Jackson both play well, I think they're going to both make it because you know one's 25 and and Martin's 24, and you know the Orioles don't have this kind of middle infield talent, so they're going to want to hold on to these guys if they can. So I think if they continue to hit, it would be a surprise if both full five guys don't make it. And possibly, you know, Richie Martin could be starting on opening day. Now, just psychologically, you may want VR starting at shortstop on opening day and then, you know, Martin playing second base. But Martin is a traditional shortstop. So I think that's the set. And then third base, again, another position that sets up in the air. Um, I would imagine it's probably right now potentially a, a uh platoon between um, Rio Ruiz and Renato Nunez. Right. Nunez played pretty well last year for the Orioles while he was up. Defensively, it's not his strength at third base. Um, he's trying to work on that. Um, it's a lefty-righty situation, so you can imagine that they could be a, uh, a platoon there. Steve Wilkerson brought eight gloves to camp. He's going to do whatever they <laughs> ask him to do to, uh, you know, to try and make this team. Um, and he can play a little bit of outfield. He even you know, he, he said he'll, he'll catch if he has to. So, I mean, you know, there's still that competition there for third base. And then if you want me to keep going, Craig, the catcher situation. Again, I was just going to ask you about that uh, with wins and also Cisco. Yeah, I mean, you know, this one is, is maybe not as intriguing as Rule 5 because of the whole will they send them back thing, but it's probably the second most intriguing battle um, because really the only two guys in the 40-man roster are two guys who barely have any playing time at all, don't even have a full year's playing time playing service in the majors, and that's Wins and Cisco. Um, last year, Cisco had a great spring. They rushed him to the majors, and it really fell apart both offensively and defensively for him. He went down to AAA. It didn't really rekindle what had made him you know, one of the top 60 prospects in the game. Um, he's got a new outlook. Uh, he was hitting the, you know, the heck out of the ball. He had four home runs to basically in the first week of spring. Um, so he maybe pushed himself back to it. You know, Wins is a steady defensive kind of guy who's got a little pop. They went and they signed Jesus Sucre, and then Sucre had all kinds of visa problems. Just got into uh, the United States last Thursday right. and played in his first game. So he's a veteran. He's 30. He's been six major league seasons. So he was kind of a guy you thought it was maybe Sucre, one of the young guys. But he's got to show that he's already back and, and able to, you know, to make this team. Um, Perez is another guy who's there. And then one of the most intriguing guys in camp is the Czech, uh, Martin Cervenka. And, I mean, this guy, I don't know if you've seen him, Craig, but this guy looks like a major league catcher. He's like six four, six five. He's strapping. He um, he looks like this is something he could do. And, and, and you know, he's only been at Double A, but he's really impressed the Orioles. So I mean, I think he just has no shot of making the team. But I mean, I think it's still <clears throat> Perez, Sucre, 
and the two young guys. Well, so with uh, Cervenka, it's a small sample size, but he has a homer, three RBI. Uh, so they, do they like his bat as well? Yeah, I mean, well, well, I guess initially they really like the overall package and specifically what he can do defensively. Okay. Um, but, he, but he can also, he can hit, and there's no question he can hit. And it's funny because I talked to Tim Cousins, um, who said he was, like, kind of eyeing him up a couple years ago in the Indians organization. And then, like, when he when Cousins came over to take the job with Hyde, he's like, oh, my God, we have Cervenka? <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, he really, there's a lot of, of people who really think that he, really think highly of him. And he was not taken in the Rule 5 draft because he is pretty raw. And so the Orioles kind of can keep him on a minor league deal again um, because he would have been a six-year free agent. And uh, so he can stick around a little bit. And he's, he's an interesting story. You know, I mean, he's like, there's almost nobody playing baseball in the Czech Republic. He was he was seen to went to a, uh, a camp in, in Italy that was run by Major League Baseball, and the Indians signed him out of that. But he's an impressive guy, person. He speaks several languages. Uh, pitchers like throwing to him. So he's definitely a guy to keep on the radar as the season progresses. But he's not a guy I don't think that's got a chance. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the, the, the ones that go backward. Um, go to minor league camp sometime the next week. We're talking with Dan Connolly. Uh, our last few minutes with Dan uh, from the Athletic covers the Orioles. Uh, very quickly, going back to both Davis and Trumbo. With Trumbo and his injury, and they were hoping maybe the end of this week they could get him into the lineup and and see what where he is and that kind of thing. And of course, with Davis trying to get back and, and, and reprove himself again. If they can get anything out of these two guys going forward, that would really behoove this team because it sets themselves up for being moved sometime before the deadline, and the Orioles could get something in return. I will say absolutely and not at all Yeah, in, in my two parts of that because Chris Davis's contract is Well, not. yeah, we know that. It's just not. And, you know, no matter what he does, um, no team is going to take a, a chance on that, on that contract after three months, after half a season. Are, are they going to eventually um, have to eat that thing? Well, if he doesn't perform, yes. I mean, if he continues, I mean, you know, the thing is, people say, well, he hasn't performed in any of those first three years, you know, uh, certainly not the, the, with, for the money. But it's a seven-year deal. Mm-hmm. There's about $100 million more sitting on this deal. Um, that's a lot of money to eat. So what they're hoping is, they can get a good year or a good two years out of them. Even a good year, maybe some team says, okay, you, you meet us halfway with the money because we could use him or whatever. He's still usable. But he turns 33 in a week. And so, you know, the concern with a seven-year, $161 million deal, Craig, and I know you, I mean, you cover this team when it, when it was happening, that, you know, what's going to happen in his last couple of years? I you know. know. Will, his, will, will there be a drop-off? Well, goodness gracious, the drop-off came as soon as he picked up the bat in 2016. And so... You know, you're looking at him now, and he's thirty. He'll be thirty-three, and you know you can't project that he's suddenly going to be batting two seventy-five with thirty-five bombs in the sixth and seventh years of this deal. So teams are not going to be that interested in Chris Davis, and it's going to be a situation that it really is for him to perform. That's going to have to help the Orioles overall, and you know, but I don't really see a future. Certainly not in the next three months of him being dealt. On the flip side is Trumbo, and I would say Trumbo, in my opinion is the most important player for the Orioles right now. Maybe Andrew Kashner, maybe Alex Cobb, but for me the most important is Mark Trumbo because Mark Trumbo is a free agent at the end of the year. 
because Mark Trumbo, when he can play like Mark Trumbo, and when the knee's not bothering him, and he is, you know, 100%, he's a guy that teams will, you know, covet that bat in the uh, in July, August, September, um, specifically American League teams, who, right. you know, who will look at him as a DH. But he can also play first base. You know, he hasn't played first base in a while, and it's been kind of dismissed. He was a, an, an average defensive first baseman. He doesn't hurt you at first base. Right field, a little bit of a different story. But first base, I think he can play. So maybe a National League team would take a, a chance on him as a first baseman and a uh, you know a guy a bat off the bench. But really an American League team. He fits well for that. Great attitude. Works with the young guys. Um, will be due, I think, $13.5 million this year. So you're talking 6 or $7 million for the last final two months of the uh, contract. The Orioles probably be willing to pick up some of that depending on what kind of prospect they could get back. So if you're building for the future and you want to build you know, your overall inventory of talent, Craig, um, the best trade chip for you is a really good Mark Trumbo. Right. Um, and again, Cashner could be the same way. Everyone's always looking for arms. Cobb, but Cobb has you know two and a half years more attached to him after you know July, so you know he's got to have to pitch really well to, to kind of justify that money. But you know Cashner and and Trumbo are simply guys that are rentals for two months who are veterans who can come in and help. And so I think that he's an exceptionally important guy, and I think that he could, like you said, I mean he could mean a lot if you know if he's healthy and if he stays up. Last thing before I let you go, and that's uh, Harper and Machado, signed, sealed, and delivered now. Quickly, your thoughts on each of them. Well, my first thought is that's a lot of years <laughs> for both of these gentlemen. And, um, you know, and, and these contracts, even at 26, you know. But it's good work if you can get it. <laughs> it's great work if you can get it. And I, I mean, I think that Manny Machado landed in the perfect place for him because I feared for Manny if he was going to be in a, in a town that really was scrutinizing every move. Um, Manny is one of those guys you have to appreciate the overall package and you have to kind of dismiss some of the stupid things he does, some of the lazy things he does, and look at the overall big picture because he can really be a difference maker with his glove and his bat, but you've got to kind of take it all. A place like Philadelphia, for instance, or New York, or mm-hmm. Boston, they don't take the whole thing they they it's it's game by game for them it's it's what you do today and what you did yesterday and i'm not sure how many would have done that manny has never had um his own fans boo him he doesn't mind being booed by other fans he's just kind of a, a rite of passage uh, you know he, he feels good about it in the sense that they don't like him but he's never been booed by his own fans and you know or, or certainly not lustily and i think that would happen if he pulls like some of the stuff he did in baltimore and los angeles in a place like philadelphia i think it's perfect for him I mean, Bryce Harper, as far as production, I can't imagine a better place for him. He's in a really good lineup. Oh, and he, and ra- really he, good he rakes oh, in that ballpark. Yeah, so I expect a steady, solid, good year for Manny Machado this year. I expect Bryce Harper to just laugh at the competition. And I could be wrong on that, but, I mean, I, I don't see why Bryce Harper shouldn't be, if he is healthy, shouldn't be energized and an MVP candidate. Yeah, but how, um, how programmed was Bryce in that press conference when, when he slipped right. and said, I just want to bring a title back to D.C.? <laughs> right, I know. I mean, that's, you know, and, and that, you know, we always joke about the uh, the Boris guys being programmed and, you know, yeah. we used to joke with about Matt Wieters. Every, you know, press conference Matt Wieters did early, it was like, you know, Cyborg 6723B, you know, he was just saying whatever the cliches had to come out of him were programmed into him, and I think Bryce got caught up in that and mentioned DC. <laughs> so, um, but, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think 
people have asked me who I'd rather have, and I think I'd rather have Manny Machado because of the defense and because of all the things that he can bring overall. Um, but I think for the situation, I think the next couple years, the Bryce Harper landing spot is great for him. I think these kind of contracts can be crippling, especially for a team like San Diego that's not necessarily putting a lot of money into their uh, you know, payroll. So you put that much money into one guy and he gets hurt, that can really hurt. Um, but, I mean, you know, God bless him. I mean, those guys got you know, really good players. Six years, um, you know, basically making, you know, uh, certainly not the minimum after the first three years, but not hitting the, the jackpot because of the way that the structure is and now having that chance to hit that jackpot once and to hit it the way they did for, you know, 10 or 13 years and 300-plus million. Well, Dan, That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. Well, Dan Connolly of The Athletic, I uh, appreciate the time uh, this morning as we fly solo while Stan is down in uh, Sarasota. And you know he went to a hockey game last night? I didn't know they had hockey in Sarasota. Well, they have it in, in <laughs> they have it in South Florida, and they also have it in Tampa. Yeah. So right, right, we'll have to wait right. and see. Well, we'll have to wait and see which one he went to. Okay, all right, pal. You all right, yep. Yourself. Thanks a lot, Dan yep. Connolly of the yep. Athletic, and uh, you know what he was saying in terms of this outfield. Uh, Brandon Hyde, uh, you know, earlier in the week had said about Cedric Mullins that it's fair to say that he'll get every opportunity to play center field, but I just can't say in cement that he's going to be the opening day center fielder. And uh, he says, but he's going to get every opportunity to win the job. But And as Stan said, you have D.J. Stewart, who is on the 40-man roster. He's got options. Uh, right now, not a particularly good spring. He's hitting 200. Uh, he's got a couple of, actually four doubles, uh, a couple of walks, but he struck out eight times. Anthony Santander has swung the bat very well uh, in spring training. Uh, he's on the 40-man, obviously with options, and uh, he swung it well. 476 to this point, a couple of homers, seven RBI, 21 total bases. That is a team high to this point. Then there's Austin Hayes, also a part of the 40-man roster. He's hitting 286 with a couple of home runs. Uh, Usniel Diaz, nah, 393. He's tearing the cover off the ball. A home run, six RBI. He has three doubles uh, so far. And we're going to try to make our connection with Stan, uh, the fan, down in Sarasota. And I believe we do have him on the line. Stan, good morning. How are you? Hi, I was chatting up uh, Brittany. I thought uh, I thought I forgot that you were calling me to be on the show. I just thought Brittany was calling me to, well, to well, sort no, of. Well, you no. know. Dan Connolly's already called the Baltimore County Police. So. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. And I, can doing I assume? Great. Can I assume you saw the lightning last night? The lightning. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, didn't you go to the hockey game last night? No, I didn't go to a hockey game. No, I thought game you last went to a night. hockey game last night. We went. Uh, I went out with my cousin Ron and a whole host of other folks. Tim Tremblay, who uh, recently moved to Sarasota, and Steve Jeppy, and a whole host of people. We had a great steak dinner at a place called Cannons down here, uh-huh. which Rich Dubroff turned me on to a couple of years ago. Really good steakhouse. All so. right. Well, let me ask you about this team and what you've seen so far uh, in spring training since you've been down there, and I know you've caught a couple of games. Uh, yep. uh, there's a split squad today, Orioles in 1 o'clock down in Port Charlotte against the Rays, where Dylan Bundy gets the start, and then David Hess tonight at home in Sarasota 
against the Yankees. And uh, I was talking to Connolly about this. I think uh, when usually about this time of the schedule is when they start to maybe thin the roster out a little bit, and it usually kind of happens after one of these kind of split doubleheader type things. Yeah, you would you would think they're about ready to knock off of six or seven more folks, you know, and get it down to a, a more, uh, you know, uh, what they need to look at. Um, they, I'll tell you, Craig, uh, it's very interesting. And, I, and again, I don't want to paint a picture that this still won't take three or four years to really get this team back up to to the to the level Michael Elias, Sigmidal, and Brandon Hyde want to have it at, um, but. There's there's some talent on this roster and in this organization. Dan did not leave the cupboard as bare as it was left for him mm-hmm. uh, when he took over. They have made some, you know, some of the people they've added are decent players. Uh, Austin Hayes has, has got a chance to be a good major league player. Usnail Diaz, who they got in the Machado trade, has got a chance to be a good major league player. Uh, but you know, beyond beyond that, the two Rule 5 guys, if you're asking me what I've seen so far, I think both of them are going to make this team. And unlike in the Buck Showalter, Dan Duquette era, where you always had the sense that that was Dan's game and Buck just sort of had to go along with it and humor Dan, these guys are, are both, Drew Jackson and Richie Martin, are both really decent ball players. Uh, you know, I'm not... Uh, here to tell you they're superstars, but these are solid contributing ball players. Well, I heard, and, uh, I heard Mark yeah, Trump. I heard Mark Trumbo yesterday on the radio here in Baltimore talking about Richie Martin and how bright his future is and what kind of yeah. a player he has the potential to be. Yeah, I think he's got a really nice future. I think he's a. It it begs the question though what what they need if if both Martins and him are going to make this team. You sort of scratch your head and go, and VR's at second, and Davis is, if he's healthy, is going to be at first to start the year off. And who knows at third, but why do they need, because it would seem that Jackson is the backup to Martin to start things off. But I will tell you this Jackson is a guy that will allow Brandon Hyde not to let Cedric Mullins get into any type of deep. 12, 14 game slump right. where, where it starts to screw his head up. This is a guy, Jackson, who can play multiple positions. And I talked to Hyde after the game yesterday based on a comment, because I've only seen two games, but based on a comment Jim Henneman made to me, and Jim was standing there, I said, This Jackson really seems to make things happen. And sure enough, the Hyde went, Yeah, we're moving them all over the place. Uh, they see him as sort of a super utility guy, uh, and I think that that's, that's got a chance. I think Chance Cisco, while I've only seen him play parts of two games, Craig, um, I think we all thought that this would be a year that they were going to go with probably two veterans and send Cisco back to really try and get his head straight. I think his head's gotten a lot straighter, and I think he's going to make this ball club. And the one other thing that I've really observed of note is that Mike Wright, this may be the first guy, and again, it's spring training. We could be talking May 1st. He's got an ERA of five or something like that. But I think he may be the first witness to what we've been talking about, about how Michael Elias Sigmeidel and the analytics that they bring to the table not only help them choose ball players, but when they have a ball player, 
they may be able to make that ball player better by getting his buy-in on some analytical data that help him. And Mike Wright has tossed 10 shutout innings down here. Yeah. And I think he's gone from, I would have said that he probably had a 75-80% chance to make the team. I now think he might have about a 70% chance to be one of the starters. Yeah, you, and you would have to think after, you know, Bundy and, and Cobb and Kashner, uh, from the spring that he's had, you know, knowing that this club is going to be young anyway, uh, yep. I, I say ride the hot hand at least to start the season, and he would be certainly the hot hand. Well, I think one of the things, I think David Hess has got a real good chance to be the number four starter, or if you really need the, to go through the, the exercise of numbering these guys, Craig. But I will tell you this, I thought it strange, and, and I I do like you do, I do a little work for Masson, and one of the nights we were asked, uh, Eric Delinsky, our producer, gave me a, I gave the, the panel a homework assignment, give three guys you'd like to see the Orioles get. Mm-hmm. And I put Carnes, Nate Carnes, as one of the guys, but I put him down because I thought, I think, when I look at his numbers, the strikeouts per innings pitch, and you remember him with the Nationals. Yeah. This well, the one guy, year, yeah. Yeah, this is a guy whose numbers shout out to me short relief and maybe back-end short relief. And they they did sign him about a week later, and I'm like sort of patting myself on the chest, you know, or on the back, saying, boy, I really know what I'm doing. And then they say, well, we feel he's got a chance to be a, a real veteran innings eater. And then I had him on my fantasy team last year, Craig. The guy did not pitch one inning. The guy did not pitch one inning in the major leagues. What what about that scenario would lead you to believe that he got the chance of being an innings eater? It had nothing Jordan, to do. It had nothing to do with anything else other than the fact that you put, put him on your fantasy him. The team. Poor, the poor bastard didn't know what hit him, Craig. <laughs> um, but uh, I can't wait to see who I affect that way this year. Um, I probably will stay away from all Orioles for that reason. Well, let me, let but, me seriously, ask- but seriously, Nate Carnes, now that they've had to back off of him, he's had two one-inning shutout performances, so he's pitched two innings. And now I think, they, I think they, they'll come around to seeing the wisdom. I think this is a guy, like if, if Michael Gibbons gets off to a great start and it's June and Carnes is pitching well in the seventh or eighth inning, I, I could see Givens being a, a trade uh, chip in, yeah. in midseason. Well, let me ask you about this, the outfield situation. We were talking about Mullins just a little bit. But D.J. Stort not having the greatest of springs, but he is on the 40-man with options. Anthony Santana has hit the cover off the ball. For yeah, he's se- had a terrific uh, Four so 476, two homers, seven RBI, 21 total bases. And that mm-hmm. leads the team. He's on the 40-man with option. Uh, right. And Austin Hayes. 286. He's been very solid. Couple of home runs. Diaz, 393. Uh, a home run and six RBI. And there's Eric Young Jr. So, you know, Conley was telling me one of the things that he heard the first two weeks, two and a half weeks he was down there was Hyde saying competition, you know, between everybody. He says if he heard the word once, he heard it a thousand times. And I think for a young team, when you're trying to piece this thing together and put together a competitive team, and that's the other word that he heard, I think that's very good for this fan base going forward, knowing that guys are out there busting it and giving 100%. 
Yeah, I think that, look, uh, I, I don't want to be the guy that's going to say, boy, the Oilers could be poor, why not season? No, no, no. But, but but I think that this team is a lot closer to being a 65-70 to 70 win team than a 50-55 to 55 win team. Uh, I think just the sheer energy and enthusiasm, and I can tell you that Brandon Hyde will use where's Buck, and this is not, to beat up Buck. Buck was a fine manager, but this guy will use the speed. You know, he'll he'll try to put the other team on the defensive some, right. uh, which is not something I think the Orioles often did. I think they will have much better at bats as a whole roster. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you one of the most interesting stories, uh, and obviously we'll keep our eye on what happens with Chris Davis's injury and Chris Davis's performance. Uh, and, Mar- and Mark Trumbo's he- injury. <laughs> yeah, and Mark Trumbo's injury. But the, the one guy that I think will, will, in short order, and I predict he'll make the team, but I'll tell you who shouldn't just sort of rest on his laurels is Trey Mancini. Right. Uh, Trey has, has got to start to put some at-bats together and, and show the, these new eyes, you know, um, and maybe for a guy that's, that had a terrific rookie season, struggled some last year. Maybe the new eyes may scare him a little bit more because he can he can go down in their estimation. Um, it, but I think he needs to to uh, from this point forward put together a good spring where they're comfortable penciling him in as a, a left fielder. You know, uh, for for now as the left fielder because I'll tell you what. The competition is going to be fast and furious. And if Trey comes north with the team, which I expect he will, uh, but he's struggling May 15th or something, and Santander or Hayes or Diaz, whichever one of them or two, don't make this team, and they're down at Norfolk really hitting the cover off the ball, Trey Mancini's going to find himself having to reprove himself. Right, and he's hitting 200 right now uh, in the spring, so uh, a point well taken. Let me ask you this final thing before we let you get out of here, and that's yeah. uh, since you've been down there, and I know it's a small sample size, but what have you seen out of this new regime that impresses you the most? Uh, I think this is not to beat up on on the on their predecessors. Uh, I think what I like about the team is the the enthusiasm. Um, you know, I, I saw this a little bit, Craig, with the 92 Orioles with, um, you know, that Johnny Oates managed before Davey got there, that they, that they thought they, they, their, their, you know, what didn't stink as the Orioles got better and better from 2012 on, they hadn't really done anything. And I'm talking about big time by like winning the, the American league, getting to the world series. The, the biggest accomplishment they had was beating Detroit in that series. And I still think after that, the organization as a whole and the players didn't do anything to get better. And, and, and I found them to start to be a little grumpier, uh, which I remembered back to the 93-94 team got a little grumpy in there before Davey got there. Uh, this team, it's all really refreshing. You know, uh-huh. the guys are excited to be there, uh, and I think that's going to rub off, and I think the fans are going to like the team. Again, don't count them by W's. Count them by enthusiasm, entertainment, 
um, and and we'll get we'll get this thing turned around. Well, uh, and enthusiasm, just, enthusiasm, entertainment, but also uh, an exuberance of young talent, and I and yeah, I think that and, goes and a, a long of, way. And a sense of a plan and purpose, and I think that they're demonstrating that. And uh, again, not trying to get carried away, but I think this will be an eminently eminently more enjoyable team than we had last year. And I know that's not saying much, but I think this team, whether they win 59 games, 69 games, they're going to be fun and a team that we can start to rally around. And hopefully guys like Martin and Jackson and Cisco looks, begin to look like they're part of the solution moving forward not part of the problems of the past. Well, Dylan Bundy gets a start today, uh, and and that's the one up in uh, or down in Port Charlotte in against Port the Rays. Charlotte, yep. And here's a guy that you know in the spring been a little bit up and down, but they really need him to 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 be that guy, if you will, on this staff because if if Ka- uh, if Cobb and Cashner kind of step up their game, you know, you're probably looking at maybe getting them dealt in the middle of the year or toward the deadline, yep. uh, to, you know, for, for other pieces. So, again, I, I really think that this is a big year right now uh, for him. Well, I, I think they need – look, I'm of the opinion it's, a, it's, a, it's an oddity, Craig, to be rooting for people to perform well. But I think the better any of the three of those, and I, and I can mean all three of them, uh-huh. the better they pitch – I think the likelihood each one gets dealt at the at the deadline. Right. All okay. Right? Yeah. All right. Stand the fan. Hey, when when really are you coming home? I, uh, I'll be home on Thursday, and then we got newspaper delivery on Friday. We got Mike Elias, an interview I did about three weeks ago with Mike uh, in Baltimore before he three and a half weeks ago before he left for Florida. Uh, that'll be on the cover. The headline is Quality Start. Uh, and it's a sit-down I did with him. Uh, and then I'll be back in next Saturday. Are you in next Saturday? I should doing... be. All I right, should that's be. great. That's great. I look forward to seeing you, and thanks for keeping the fire warm, my friend. Not a problem. As long as Brittany's here, I'm fine. All right. You guys went out to breakfast this morning, <laughs> yeah. didn't Well, you? no. Actually, they locked her out of the front door. <laughs> I got I got here this morning around 9, and... The front door was locked. I had to walk By around the way, the that, is, that is technically the back door, and it seems like that's an occurrence now. So we should all know that and park around by the railroad. All Seriously. Right. All, all right. right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Stan right, the fan. I'll talk to you soon. Stan the fan down in uh, Sarasota covering the Orioles for uh, a week or so, and uh, good to have his perspective on what he is looking at with these new baby birds. We are going to take a time out, but first, before we do, let's me tell you about Big Bats, and uh, that's uh, Ken Island's original sports bar, 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland, on the way down or back from the eastern shore. No place better to stop and relax and eat. Great place uh, to watch the O's, the Nats, Wizards, Caps game. Keep in mind the Stanley Cup playoffs are just around the horizon. Got a little work to do to get the Wizards to that eighth spot uh, to, for them to get into the playoffs. But nonetheless, lots of sports on TV at Big Bats uh, and uh, sample the best bar grub around. And theme rooms, that's the other thing. You can go into the bar, but they have theme rooms. The Orioles theme room is fabulous because it's got 
all the Orioles' history from 54 when they first got to town through the 66, their first world championship, through all the glory years, and uh, right up to the present. So uh, sandwiches, salads, soups, subs, big bats, 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. All speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. Maryland, it's the craziest time of year for college basketball, so don't miss a minute of the madness. Fridays through Sundays in March, watch your favorite teams compete for a spot in the championship on 74 feet of HD LED screens in the Sportsbook and Sports Bar at Laurel Park. With food and drink specials during games and thrilling live thoroughbred racing Friday through Sunday, there's no better place to indulge in the madness. Visit Facebook.com slash Laurel Park for details. We'll see you there. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. 
If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection, or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs. Change tastes good, we promise. Experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill, great food. Good sports. And welcome back to the Bat Around for this Saturday, March the 9th from the uh, live casino hotel studio here at Press Box. And we want you to share and like the stream if you're watching on Facebook. Uh, that's facebook.com backslash Sports. And you can uh, look at my ugly face along with Brittany, who's much more attractive than I am. And Thanks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go now out to the phone lines again and bring in our friend from MLB.com, Bill Latson. And, Bill, good morning. How are you? Do a great, great, uh, Craig. Thanks for having me. It's Craig. Remember that? You know, we've Craig, only Craig we've Craig only been friends about 15 years or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I have to start with you. Uh, a sad note, and uh, that's uh, the news that broke this week about Tom Seaver being, uh, uh, you know, diagnosed with dementia. And and I know you're a Yankee guy, but living in New York and growing up in New York and watching those Mets teams, uh, especially early on in Tom's career. Uh, the 69 team to beat the Orioles in the World Series. Uh, uh, you know, he goes 25-7 and seven that year. His ERA is, I think, 211. Uh, you know, you could arguably say that there there is no miracle Mets that year without Tom Seaver. There's no question about it, Craig. And, Craig, I'll go on record to say he's the best pitcher I ever saw. Really? Yeah, yeah he's the best pitcher I ever saw. And the reason I say that was because he was on Mets teams they didn't have hitting at all in mm-hmm. the offense. And uh, if, you, if you look at that offense that they had, Cleon Jones, Tommy Agee, I mean, yeah, they hit like 300. Some of them, excuse me, some of them did. But they didn't score a lot of runs. And somehow, Tom Seeger along with Jerry Kuzman and Nolan Ryan, those guys managed to win games. So, uh, you know, you think about it, Craig. You think about that 69 team. It's hard to believe 50 years now. Um those teams won like with scores like one and nothing, two to one, and the, and the Mets had a reputation of while they didn't score like in the first five or six innings, they would they would score in time from the seventh from the seventh inning on. So, I mean, that's why they were able to win uh, the World Series that year. Well, uh, when the diagnosis uh, was first announced. And his family put out a, a statement saying that he's just going to retire from public life and spend the rest of the time at home and uh, also uh, at his vineyard. Uh, it, it just It's a shame because, you know, there are so many fans of Tom Seaver out there. Uh, and the natural, the natural thing for fans that w- would want to do is that they want to know how he's doing. They want to know what the progress is. But, uh, again, you have to respect the privacy. There's no question about it. That happened with uh, Frank Robinson, too, uh, Craig, yeah, yeah. as you know. And, uh, you know, we've got to find out how Tom Seaver's doing because, uh, from, what, from what I understand, Tom Seaver's family is going to be at some of these events for the 69 Mets. So okay. It's, it's not like you know, we're not going to know anything. I mean, we, we you know, the, uh, the family, you know, they've been invited uh, 
to the 69 event, which is going to happen quite a bit uh, this year. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going on. All right, uh, let me get to, to two big stories over the past week, and that's number one, or actually week and a half, when we're talking about Machado. The signing of Manny Machado to the 10-year, $300 million deal with the Padres, and then also Bryce Harper with the Phillies, and I found it very interesting, 13 years, $333 million, that during his press conference, he slips up and says, you know, I want to bring a title to D.C. So yeah. you're, you're wondering whether or not Bryce's uh, heart is really in it in Philly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's in it. it just, uh, uh, just a slip of the tongue, I think. I just think that the Phillies have to be considered uh, a team to beat. You and I have talked about this. So I think they have a team to beat. Uh, well, I, I, think they are, I think they are if, and, and I say this, they still need – to, to shore up that starting pitching staff. If they don't, I could see issues along the way. Yes, yes, there's no question about it. But, you know, I think people are forgetting. People are forgetting that, okay, they, yes, they did get Bryce Harper, but they also uh, were able to acquire uh, McCutcheon, uh, Real Muto, mm-hmm. uh, the catcher, uh, the, the shortstop, uh, I forget his name now, but uh, it's, uh, you know, this team, offensively anyway, they're going to be really good, Craig. Oh, yeah, they're there's no question really about it, yeah. So, um, and you asked about uh, Machado. You know, yeah, the, I guess the Padres are going to improve, but I think the thing there is if their prospects are all going to come through. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of good prospects. And, well, it's uh, the number one farm system in baseball. Yeah, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. Is, is one of those guys, and I mean, is he? This is why Machado's going to play third base again. So is he going to come through in the clutch? You know, it, I think it depends on uh, how their team does. I mean, it, I mean, I know Machado's going to get the bulk of the credit and the blame if nothing, you know, things go wrong or right. But yeah, but you know what? You know, he's he's in a pretty good spot, Bill, in terms of where he landed uh, as far as what he would have to deal with media wise if things don't work out the way that everybody expects it to work out. Right, right. They won't rip them. You're correct. Right, and so, I, uh, but I think it's totally the opposite with Bryce. I mean, he's in a situation now where, granted, he, he absolutely hits the cover off the ball in that ballpark and has right. traditionally, but if things start to go awry, uh, you know, we had Dan Connolly on earlier, and he was talking about the difference between, you know, places like New York and Philadelphia and Boston uh, in in where it's a uh, you know fans judge you on a day to day basis as opposed to correct. just throughout the course of the year, right? Correct, correct. So and uh, but Craig, I'll tell you this though. I think Bryce, you know, you know, he, he signed the contract, but uh, Bryce has to start hitting from day one. I mean, fair or unfair, with that small ballpark at Citizens Bank Park, people are going to expect him to have 10 homers by by the first week. I'm telling you. I, I know that's impossible, but I'm telling you, I, that's how fans think. I mean, I think that way. Yeah. So that's the, that's the whole deal. Well, I'm, I've never necessarily agreed with the way you think. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. Uh, let me ask you this, Yankees-wise. Uh, obviously, this American League East, with the Red Sox being the defending champs, number one, 
How much pressure is it on a team to repeat? And I personally think that there's a lot. And you're also talking about a team in the Yankees that won 100 games last year, got right. beaten the playoffs, uh, and, and yet they're trying to, to get themselves in a situation where they can make a run at the Red Sox. And there was an eight-game difference between these two last year. Great. I still think the the Red Sox are still a team to beat, even though they don't have Kimbrel now. Mm-hmm. Um, people forget that Kimbrel in the second half of the year was not very good. So, I mean, I I think knowing Alex Cora that we do the way we do, I think uh, he's going to find a way to get the job done there. I, I I think they're still a team to beat. They still have the offense. Um, I think the Yankees had a had a huge blow. When the Severino and Cecil Bath are not going to start the season on time, right? And, and I think uh, you know, Craig. I've told you this many times. Even though I'm a Yankee fan, I'm, I'm realistic, and you know, I think they still need some starting pitching to get past the Red Sox, right? I mean, I, I thought when they signed, uh, you know, Adovino for the bullpen, I said, okay, great. Now they're going to be okay. But with the injuries to Severino and uh, Sabathia, except that Sabathia is a health thing, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a setback for them, and they need some starting pitching. All right, if the Nationals do not, this is the last question before we let you go, uh, if the Nationals do not make the playoffs this year, is Dave Martinez out? I would have to say yes, Craig, because, uh, the, you know, the Nationals, the front office, Mike Rizzo, they've all expected that team uh, to win, go to the playoffs. And they, you know, as they put it, you know, when they hired Dave Martinez, he's supposed to be better than Dusty Baker from an analytical standpoint and all that stuff. So the answer is yes. Um, he's going to have to win. He's on the hot seat for sure. Okay. Uh, and again, you, you talk about the Phillies being probably the team to beat because of the acquisition of Bryce, but also with what else they have in that starting, uh, you know, starting nine, I still think they need some pitching help, uh, especially the starters. Uh, but from that standpoint, I, I still do like the national starting rotation top to bottom. Uh, and, and I still think they've got a pretty formidable bullpen. Uh, and now it's just a matter of, to me, uh, you know, is, is Juan Soto going to be the real deal again in left field? Uh, you, you think about Adam Eaton and, and Trey Turner at the top of that lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I still think that this team, you know, Rendon being a run producer, Zimmerman, Matt Adams there, uh, the catching situation was enhanced over the course of the offseason. No no so I, I think they're in pretty good shape going in, but do they, you know, the question obviously is do they have enough to – to compete with, and I think it's a four. I, I think any one of the four teams can can win this division. Oh, no question, Craig. But Craig, you know what you talk about? You need a lot of those people on the Nationals. The problem I have with the Nationals, there's too many. There are too many question marks. Too many. I mean, Brian Dozier is he going to be productive? Michael A. Taylor is he going to be productive? Brian Zimmerman, as much as I love Brian Zimmerman. Is he going to be healthy? Well, that's the whole thing. It's not a, to me. It's not a matter of him being productive. It's a matter of him. If he's healthy, he's going to be productive. But you got to keep him. Right. Run, you got to keep him on the field. 
Right, Juan Soto. I mean, I totally agree with you, Craig. Victor Robles. Yeah. I mean, there are two. I mean, uh, Matt Adams. Uh, okay, Matt Adams. To my surprise, has turned to be an excellent uh, bench player. Mm-hmm. But I mean, can he do it again? I mean, there are too many ifs, man. Too many. Way too many. All right, Bill Latson. Bill Latson of MLB.com. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Anytime, man. Take care. All right, Bill Latson, MLB.com. And uh, we're going to try to hook up with our good buddy Richard Justice, uh, who is uh, down in uh, Nats Camp at Fort, uh, I'm sorry, in West Palm Beach. Uh, They share that complex uh, with the Astros, and uh, they are. in the midst of trying to turn around what was a uh, a dismal season last year from the standpoint of underachieving. They finished a couple games over 500. And, uh, again, Davey Martinez has his work cut out for him because, as you heard Bill Latson say, it could be one of those situations where uh, – you know, if they don't perform up to snuff this year, it'll be interesting to see what the learners do as far as Dave Martinez is concerned, and that's if the Nationals uh, don't get it turned around. We're going to head back down to Florida and bring in our good friend Richard Justice from MLB.com. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Good morning, Craig. Uh, you didn't you didn't give Lavero anything that you're not going to give me, did you? <laughs> um, I You know, I uh, was in a meeting with Jeff Luno and couldn't uh, – couldn't uh, be with Tom this morning, well, so you know no, I'm not going to give him. I'm going to give him anything. <laughs> All right, good, good. I got. <laughs> I feel privileged now. Got a question for you. Number one, obviously, bad news this week and sad news uh, with the news about Tom Seaver being uh, diagnosed with dementia. And uh, I, I was telling Bill Latson earlier that if you think about the '69 Mets and early in his career and a Hall of Fame career that it was over 300 wins. Uh, you know, those miracle Mets of 69 probably don't happen without Seaver. Uh, the Mets don't happen without Seaver. Yeah. I think it's hard to understand how famous Tom Seaver was. I mean, I, I can still hear in New York, you, Tom and Nancy Seaver, you hated them or you loved them, but they were they might have been the most, other than maybe John Lindsay, the mayor, they might have been the two most famous people in New York. And Tom Ash guy, he knew he belonged. He knew he was good. He was the guy, you know, that you either loved him or you hated him. But when I think about Tom, uh, he had a great second chapter of his life with the winery. But Craig, I, he had the best, he made the best middle-aged adjustment of any pitcher in history. You know, we talk now about a player's peak being 27. Between the ages of 32 and 36, Tom started 150 games and his ERA was under three. He was a blueprint for how you handle the aging process. And I just think it's a reminder that some guys are born with brains and some guys are born with talent and some guys are born with drive and some guys have all of them and he had all of them. And I'm telling you, you know, he enjoyed his life. You would see him in Cooperstown. He appreciated being up there on that stage with Sandy Koufax and Frank Robinson and Bob Gibson. He understood his place uh, in the world. I also, I don't, I think he didn't. Five people didn't vote for him for the Hall of Fame or something. He to me is the the uh, the bar. Like you want to tell a guy you didn't vote for Seaver. I don't know where you're putting your bar, but it's probably a little bit too high. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and that, you know, and, and it was never more crystal clear than when Mariano got in uh, with 100% of the vote this year. And then you think about Seaver, Ripken, Ken Griffey Jr., guys who were right. just so close to being unanimous, and yet there were guys out there that didn't think they belonged on the first ballot. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, and Tom really was a – I think he's one of those guys that would have been a success in anything he did. But, you know, his winery was in, in – it's in Napa. It's north of about 10, 15 miles north of Napa and Calistoga. It's wildly successful. And Tom, you know, I don't know if you've ever been there, but Napa, to me, about as close to paradise as there is in this country. And Tom loved it there, and he loved the wine, the grapes, you know, his friends had seen some decline in Tom in recent years, but, you know, everybody, he was Tom Seaver. You know, for all of us who love baseball, that name, like that name, like the name of Frank Robinson or Willie Mays, it just means something. Well, I know you were out in uh, Arizona for a while, and now you're in Florida, and you're down at uh, West Palm. Uh, where the I Ast- am. Where the Astros and uh, the Nationals share that complex. Uh, what can you tell me about the Astros uh, going now that they're in the spring training and getting set for the season, what can you tell me about A.J. Hinch and uh, what he expects out of this team after not getting to where they wanted to go last year? Um, you know, they won 100 games two years in a row. Yeah. I think they're just a very confident team. They didn't – they had a little bit quieter – they lost more than they gained in the offseason. You know, they lost Marvin Gonzalez, who was – Wildly popular in Houston. They, Dallas Keuchel hasn't signed with, with anybody yet. Marvin signed with the Twins. And they have lots of young pitching. I think they expect to be playing in October again. I think when you talk about the American League, you start with the Red Sox, Yankees, and Astros. There's some worry. Not, I don't think AJ's worried. I don't think Jeff Luna, the general manager, is worried. But, you know, Altuve was scratched again today with soreness. When you have guys, when you have any aches and pains, you always worry worry about them. But you start your rotation with Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, and you feel pretty good about where you're going. I know uh, in the last week and a half, we had the two big names come off of the free agent market in uh, Manny and also Bryce Harper. Uh, what did you make, if anything, of Bryce during his press conference saying, I just want to bring a title back to D.C.? <laughs> I made that he was he was hepped up and he was a little bit nervous and he and he misspoke, you know. May, I, I think maybe he know, was too programmed. What I, yeah, what I think of uh, the Nationals, I think the Phillies had to do this more than any other team. They had to do this because they were not going to be. They were a fourth place team in the National League East. You signed Bryce, now you're in the middle of it. Uh, I was there on the day that he agreed to terms, and I remember Aaron Nola pointed to a, a gigantic photograph of the 2008 clinching and the rally towels and all of that, and he goes, I've heard so much about that. I don't want to hear any more about that. I want to experience it for myself. So they're in the mix. But I'll tell you, the unsung hero of this offseason is Mike Rizzo. Oh, there's no question. He, that, that guy, he didn't allow himself to be held hostage while Scott Boris chased four hundred million dollars, and he upgraded. Where did he upgrade? He upgraded uh, at catcher, bullpen, yeah, rotation catcher. And you look at them. This is going to be a fast team. Uh, they're going to have. They're going to be better defensively with Dozier and Robles playing. Uh, they're going to have better at bats. 
I think they're going to be great. And I think what you're going to see is my man, Anthony Rendon, is going to finally, you know, I think when you have a player of Bryce's magnitude, I think he sucks all the oxygen out of the room in terms of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out that Anthony Rendon is a great player. I think he was second in the National League last year and wins above replacement. Only Christian Ellich was higher. And Trey Turner is a spectacularly good player. The Nationals are going to be one of the fastest teams in baseball and probably one of the best. They are because you're going to have Eaton and Trey Turner at the top of that lineup. And, right. you know, the, the other thing that, you know, maybe worries me a little bit is, does Juan Soto have any kind of a sophomore jinx? And I would think right. no because – But you have four outfielders, so, you know, because Michael Taylor's had one hell of a spring. Oh, I, I know and, that. I know, and he probably is their best defensive outfielder. Right, right. And, but, 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 so, but, I mean, you have, four, you have four guys to figure it out. And Bo, you're, you're going to run uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, Pat Corbin out there. Whoa, Sanchez, yeah, yeah, and and depending on what they want to do with the fifth starter, you're absolutely right. Uh, but my my point with Juan Soto is I don't expect there to be a sophomore jinx from an offensive standpoint because if there was anything we saw from him, Richard, in the throughout the entire year last year, once he got up here, was the plate discipline and and right. the eye for the strike zone was just incredible for a 19 year old. Yeah, and they really want him. They're really focused on him getting better defensively and, you know, just on the bases. Robles has been fantastic on uh, – I saw him yesterday against the Cardinals. He got a single his first time up, stole second. Well, that's what Dave Martinez said. He stole second. The umpire said he didn't, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Then he goes the other way on a hit. Then he draws a walk. So that's all you can ask for in a guy, you know, and he is going to he is going to run the bases. He is going to play defense. Um, they're they're really good, you know. And you think about putting Robles. I'm excited to see Adam Eaton for, yeah. for a long term. You know, like I said to him uh, yesterday, I said, "I got to tell you, you remind me so much of Justin Pedroia." And he goes, "Oh my God!" He goes, "I can die a happy man now that somebody's made that comparison." I didn't realize that growing up, Justin Pedroia was the guy he wanted to be. Yeah, and uh, you know, because they're both five nine, and they're both they both play with a lot of energy. And they both annoy the hell out of the other team. And, you know, that's the guy you want on your team. But if he's on the other team, you don't want him. You don't like him. As, as a guy who covers the Orioles as well, uh, there are two guys in the American League that are absolutely thorns in the side of everybody. One is Dustin Pedroia that you absolutely love to hate because of the, what he does to your team. And the other one to me is Brett Gardner, too, even though he's much right. older, you know. So, I mean, those are the two guys that, to me, are, are just thorns in the side of everybody. But anyhow. Yep. Uh, let me I, I sure hope. Uh, uh, Pedroia, Pedroia played. You know, he hadn't played since last May. He played in two innings on, uh, I guess it was, the days all run together, Craig. I think it was Thursday. And uh, um, <laughs> we asked Alex Corey, said, is he, uh, is he fired up? He goes, I don't know if he's fired up, but he was in uniform at 7 a.m. ready to go. <laughs> I just hope. You know, he's missed so much of that franchise. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. I hope he can come back and write the right kind of ending because he's meant a lot to the game. Uh, you know, we, we've been talking a lot of Orioles today, and uh, while there's nothing... Their manager is really impressive. Brandon Hyde is really an impressive guy. Uh, but that's the one... I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm totally in the tank for, uh, 
their general manager. You know, I'm, we're doing a 10-year retrospective of the 2009 draft, which was just an unbelievable draft. You mm-hmm. know, Paul Goldsmith went in the eighth round. The Cardinals and uh, Sigma Mydell, who's now uh, with the Orioles, uh, in the draft room, he was pushing for a guy that a lot of people weren't sold on. That guy's name was Paul Goldschmidt. So, <laughs> Sig's uh, got a pretty good track record in the draft. Well, I got to tell you something. I think the fan base here is really starting to buy into this, and I think they should because if there's one yeah. thing that Brandon Hyde has said uh, throughout spring training so far is competition, you know, and and you know the willingness to just bust your butt out there. And I don't, I don't know who's going to make this team when it's all said and done, but I know one thing. Uh, there, there's an, a renewed sense of optimism with young players in that clubhouse. No question. And they may use 60 players this year. And mm-hmm. it's going to be, to me, you're going to have young guys that are thrilled to be up. They're going to bust their butts. And, you know, the Orioles, whatever you thought of ownership and the baseball ops you know, and, and all of that, you have now – a front office that will rank among any in terms of brains and terms of progressive and trying to figure out what the next new thing is. Uh, we had a funny moment this morning in uh, Astros camp. There was a kid pitcher uh, on the mound inside, and, you know, they got 50 of these high-speed cameras looking at him, studying his motion and all that. George Springer comes out of the clubhouse and sees what's going on over there, and he goes, he screams, don't do it. They're trying to clone you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the age we're in now buddy yeah it is there's no question about it that's the way the game is going uh and speaking of which the way the game is going uh what's the general talk around just baseball in general about the rule changes that they're going to implement in the minor league end well um they're coming uh they're coming to the astros camp because Commissioner Manager's had many talks with Astros manager A.J. Hinch about them. I think some of them they're okay with. Uh, I think stuff like monkeying with the distance, 60 feet, 6 inches, not good. I think they're excited about the fact that, you know, bigger bases, that's going to create a little more space between the base runner and, 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 the, and the fielder. Interesting stuff like that. I think the, the, the analytics base general managers – and, and managers want nothing to do with banning a defensive shift. I think they think the three-hitter thing is not good. But I think there's a general understanding that the game has to consider everything, that it's okay to discuss these things. And I think, as Manfred has said many times, when you try these things in the minor leagues, you might learn something, you might find something else that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been obviously around a lot of camps. What's the most impressive thing that you've seen in spring training so far? Or that, um, or that intrigues you? Well, the, the thing that intrigues me, one, is that um, the Yankees really might be vulnerable in the pitching rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, two uh, is that Tampa Bay has a chance to be really good. Three, Boston is really good. And I think the Nationals are going to be one of the best-kept secrets around. I think, you know, we we so focused on Bryce, like I said, he sucks the oxygen out of the attention thing, that um, I think we didn't – I think maybe 
people in the middle of the Atlantic states did, but you know, I think it's going to be an eye opener for people around the country realizing how good Rendon is, how good Trey Turner is, and uh, we'll see what those young guys Soto and Robles do. But they're good; they're really good. In the uh, uh, National League East, you, you obviously you just said that you expect the Nationals to be kind of a hidden secret, but uh, with what they've done pitching wise, and with some of the things that Rizzo has done, but I, I look at this the whole division now. The Mets starting pitching, can it stay healthy? That's always been the question. I think the Phillies still need to add something. As far as the Braves are concerned, they're the defending division champs, but now we hear Kevin Gosman's got some you know, some arm issues, and maybe that yeah. could be a, an issue for them going forward. But I think any one of those four teams you know, my, could come out of it and, and win that thing. I agree with you. I agree. I agree. Um... Yeah, and I just I think the Phillies are interesting just to see. You know, you've always heard that when you throw a bunch of new guys together, it takes a while to gel. But the the Phillies fans want to see immediate results. They want to see Bryce Harper win the MVP the first week of the season. So there's some pressure on those guys. On the other hand, you take a guy like JT Riamuto, the best catcher in the game, He's just forgotten all of this. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, true. The, Philly, the, the Phillies got Bryce Harper and others. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I know you like the Orioles, but uh, I, I, I always do. I always tell people uh, you like the hierarchy with the Orioles. But I always tell people it's really hard to either win or lose a hundred. But they managed to lose one hundred and fifteen last year. Uh, right. How much of an improvement can that team make? Knowing. You know who's in charge now and what they're trying to do. Um, I think we're just going to find out. You know, sometimes I think Tom Boswell used this line one time, like in some of those Orioles teams in the eighty eighties. You take a veteran team uh, that is disappointed, a veteran team like that, and they're either going to finish first or last. And that's what you had with the Orioles. It just snowball. You're not going to have that. They're going to bust their butts every day. Brandon Hyde's going to demand that. I'm telling you, people are going to fall in love with Brandon Hyde. Um, but it's a process you've got to go through and to figure out what you have as an organization and uh, and just to start, you know, adding players, replenishing the system day by day. You know, but you look at Cobb, you look at Cashner, you look at Dylan Bundy. I mean, that's a competitive, should be a competitive front three in the rotation. I may be leaving somebody out. Oh, God. And, uh, We'll just, you know, we'll see how how it go, how it all shakes out. To me, the interesting part is just watching all who they who their starting nine is and how that evolves during the year and how many different people get the best. And if we had the conversation in September, who has emerged as as someone to keep as a keeper? Yeah. Okay. Richard Justice, MLB.com. Thanks for your time, and uh, we'll see you throughout the season. We'll be doing the Nats post-game show a lot on the radio this year, so we hope to catch up with so, you. So, what happened with Stan? You, you finally got rid of him? Well, he's in Sarasota, so I'm flying solo today. <laughs> and as you've as as you've pointed out before, it's always a better show that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I spent a day with Peter Schmuck in Sarasota, so uh, that's 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 a day I can't get back. That, uh, that that's that's another day in your life you'll never have again. That's right, <laughs> Richard. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Greg. All right, Richard Justice, MLB.com. We're going to take our final time out. Remind you about the Costas Inn, forty one hundred North Point Boulevard in Dundalk. The best seafood around. Specials on the menu all throughout the week. 
Monday, crab cake night. Tuesday is rib night. Wednesday, steak night. Lobster night on Thursday. Prime rib is outstanding. Go catch live entertainment throughout the week. Uh, jazz night on uh, Wednesday. Also keep in mind the Rat Pack and uh, rock and roll on Friday night. And the first Friday of every month, the Rat Pack is there with Rick Oliger. So that's uh, 4100 North Point Boulevard. You can also ship crab cakes and crabs anywhere in the country. Just call Pete Triantopoulos on the phone, and uh, they'll hook you up and take care of you. 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn. We'll be back after this. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we offer one more salute to Joe Flacco as his tenure in Baltimore comes to a close. Prominent media members and public figures, including Mayor Catherine Pugh, share their thoughts on what Flacco has meant to the city. Also inside, you'll find our annual comprehensive college lacrosse preview. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Turks at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dining orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done, but the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players, and I think we won 40-some games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Why yeah, not? why not? Why not check out Section 336 at Section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. The Glory Days Grill to Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it, and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice, or to the office, or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is very, very popular, as you've undoubtedly noticed if you've been there recently. Want to skip the lines completely? Download the Chick-fil-A app, and your food will be ready when you get there, but not a minute sooner. Your hot, fresh waffle fries, fresh, never-frozen chicken, and ice-cold drinks will be delivered to you when you get there. They'll bring it out to your car, or you can come in and get it without standing in line. Plus, ordering through the Chick-fil-A app earns you reward points that will add up 
up the free stuff. And the app remembers what you like. So if you like extra pickles, then the app remembers. If you prefer less ice in your drink, the app remembers. Anytime you customize your order, the Chick-fil-A app will file it away and remember for your next visit. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. If you need help downloading the app, ask the Nottingham Square store owner, Steve. Steve can do anything. Chick-fil-A, get the app, skip the lines. That's going to do it for us here on the Battle Round from the live casino studios here uh, right off uh, I-83 in Baltimore, press box. Thanks to Johnny Holiday, Dan Connolly, Stan the Fan, Bill Latson, Richard Justice, all of our guests today on the Battle Round. And thanks, Miss Brittany Everett, for running the ones and the twos. And uh, You got it. Just keeping me company. You're welcome. Say hi to Mom for me. I, I definitely will. All right. We will uh, talk to you again next Saturday. Stan will be back in studio. I should be here as well, unless I decide I've got something more important to do. I'm Craig Heist. Have a good week, everybody.